Hi, I'm Claudio Poses, artist for Dungeons and Dragons and The Witcher RPG, and you're listening to Moro's Unofficial Tabletop RPG Talk. This week, Morse, Peter, and Jessica talk about how dice mechanics of an RPG influence how it feels to play. In the news, one D&D playtest for the Paladin and the Druid has been released, Insider 500 is a 100-page mega dungeon for 5e, new Pathfinder releases, the Fallout Winter of Adam factions have been announced, and more, plus a new lightning round listener questions, and a brand new sketch about discovering the rules behind the world. This week on Morrison's unofficial tabletop RPG Talk. This week's podcast is sponsored by the Heavenly Academy of Marital Arts. Marital Arts? This is a family podcast. Even I have standards, and I'm the world's foremost evil wizard. What? Martial Arts. Oh, oh, well, that's different then. The Heavenly Academy of Martial Arts, where you can learn to kick and punch your way out of anything. Hmm. Fisticuffs. I don't see what's wrong with a good fireball. All the tabletop role-play news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk I am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ And with me this week is Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Russ has ever. It is a delight to be here. And joining us, we have this is the voice of Ian Publishing. It's the one, it's the only. It's me, Jessica. It's a little Captain Scarlet reference out there yeah, for all it, our yeah. listeners <laughs> who doubtless appreciate it. Yeah. Of course, of course. Are you saying that Jess looks like a Mr. Um, I or don't maybe know. A- do we know what, what Mr. Ron looks like? Look like? Huh? Yeah. Maybe, maybe that is well, what Mr. Ron looks like. Our listeners don't know what Mr. Ron looks like. They all look like, they like dress. And Ooh, some of our listeners scary. won't know what I look like either, because yeah. they only hear my well, voice. Well, they do now, because they know you look like a Mr. Ron. Exactly. But there you go, so that's that like. problem solved. But, Russ, do you know yes. something? If I know something, yeah. I mean, the specific thing I'm about to say, if people listening... Okay, all right. Calm down, kids. Um, if the viewers would like to see what we look like and would what? like to be part of oh, this... I don't recommend it, by the way. Yeah, see we don't recommend we it. Like. Um, if you would like to be part of the recording of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk, you can. We will be doing a live recording at the UK Games Expo, uh, which is in Birmingham, UK, um, on the Friday at 330 so on the Friday, that on the first us. day, we're yeah. going to record live. We've got our room booked, so you can come in and sit down. We'll, we'll make you be part of the, the, the group clapping that we do at the beginning and everything. It'll be great. It'll be amazing, yeah. So We only have room for 30 people, so... Oh, you say now. only. We were offered a room for 150, and I got and scared, and I said, no, <laughs> can we have a smaller room, please? Um, Standing so, room only. If you're coming to the UK Games Expo, please do come along so we're not just there on our own awkwardly. <laughs> Maybe we should get all of our parents to come or something like that as well, just to like bump up the numbers. Yeah, we could probably pay people to come. I don't know. Yeah, uh, maybe. Uh, uh, I remember, if you are going to come and throw dice, please don't throw D4s. I have sensitive skin and bruises. And who's going to be running the stand while <laughs> we are doing a podcast? Uh, uh, like 
Zin. Zin. We could ask one of our volunteers that's going to be there as well. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be fine. Okay. Yes. So, 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 before we do the RPG news, shall we do some listener questions? I have four, no, three listener questions for you today. Not four, uh-huh. three oh. listener questions. Very well. Great. Okay. So, because it's three, let's do them quick, super quick, quick fire answers. No monologues. Quick as you can. Are okay. we ready? I've been okay. discriminated against. <laughs> Question number one from Walter C. It feels like the OGL thing recently was a watershed industry moment. What other events do you think have been game-changing for a role-playing game? Russ, go. Okay, so um, I would say the advent of desktop publishing, probably around about the 80s, Mm -hmm. was big. Mm -hmm. The open gaming license in 2000 or 2001 or whatever it was, and the the, the whole concept of um, freely allowing other creators to support your game was a big one. Yeah, That was a big, big one. Um, uh, obviously the collapse of TSR and the purchase of it by Wizards of the Coast was a big one for the mm. industry drive through RPG and RPG Now in the early 2000s bringing on the advent of PDF publishing on a big scale yep. mm-hmm. and lowering the bar to entry was a yep. big one Kickstarter was a Ooh. massive, massive one yeah yep. yep. and then the many crowdfunding that platforms that followed yeah, that came after it and uh, yeah, and this OGL thing recently, I guess, was and also one. Print on demand is tied in with print on demand RPG as well. As well. Yeah. yeah, print on demand yeah. is a big one too. Yeah, so that there, there would be there would be my watershed moments if I had to make a quick list. They are pretty big. I um, would agree, and have nothing to add, Peter. Okay. Uh, I think things like <laughs> oh, and the advent of this podcast, of course. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that goes without saying. It's like yeah, it's, it's happening. Like a, yeah. a, an RPG a RPG podcast that does news on a weekly basis, mm. uh, unchallenged for four years. Mm. I'm sure there are people who do RPG news podcasts. In fact, I know there are. But ha, we do get longer and more frequently. Oh, anyway, but yeah, things um, professional rivalry, professional rivalry aside, uh, I think things like the D20 explosion. Uh, speaking as a player, like the just the immense number of games that came out with the OGL and this third edition. I think fifth edition has been a fairly major thing. Um, the creation of stuff like Savage World, that was a fairly big watershed moment for me personally. Like the idea of having different sized dice to do things, that was like mind blown. Uh, stuff like the modern trend towards games like things like Dread, where you have you don't even use dice, you don't use cards, you use an actual... Uh, Jenga Tower. That was pretty big. Uh, the Powered by the Apocalypse. Movement. I thought you said bread there. I was trying to think. Dread. Powered by bread. You sit yes, and you make bread. sandwiches, and oh. the GM bites into the sandwich, and the best sandwich is like that's how you establish initiative. Okay. Interesting. We're going to make that game bread. I don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> Coming 2024 from Ian. Not Bell a game. promise. Bread, <laughs> Not guaranteed. The RPG. <laughs> We don't currently go. have it on our plans for 2023 <laughs> for EM Publishing. Um, no. We you did a post about it the other day, and bread was not on it. But anyway, okay. sorry, Peter, Ooh. you were giving your you short were, you were answer saying, to huh? this question. Yeah, um, and <laughs> things that like Powered by the Apocalypse and the Forge in the Dark family of storytelling games, and how that really has taken off. Uh, also, the OSR movement and its sort of like parallel evolution. And I guess it's just like evil safety tools have been a huge watershed moment because they yeah. were they were like it was sort of like don't don't be awful but now it's like essentially we've got all this sort of safety gear so you can push games further and harder mm. and faster but still not traumatize people which i think is kind of amazing so mm. i really like that 
Um, Those are all good points too. Yeah, and also stuff like Advanced Fifth Edition, where you have D and D without the racism. So I'm like, sweet. D and D without racism. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> I, I, um, I just how I see it. Okay. Enough of your enough with death to bioessentialism is how I would put it mildly. Anyway. Mm. Excellent. Okay. So right, that was the first question, question which we answered question. in a very short yes. amount of time. As, yeah. Yes. as yeah, yeah. For, for, for the history of RPGs, uh, I suppose the creation of Dungeons and Dragons was probably a major one, eh? But uh, I guess so. probably on. yeah. yes. Yeah, I think that one's a given. So the second one, second question: There are many gaming accessories available these days, such as dice towers and all rolled ups. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if you have any ideas for such things. Can be as sensible or dark as you like. That's from Lee Williams. I have an old world up here because I think Russ didn't know what it was. It's basically, it's got a little pouch to store your dice in, a little section Mm. to put note cards and to keep pens and stuff in. And then it all rolls up into a little pencil case sized container that you can carry to your conventions in. Yeah, you have seen those. I quite like them. I've just learned a thing. There you go. Um, But yeah. Ideas. Do I have any ideas for new gaming accessories? Uh... No. (laughs) <laughs> I, I think there are so many ideas and so many people doing so much cool stuff if you go on like especially like small little indie places if you go on like somewhere like Etsy or a small marketplace thing like that there'll be so much cool stuff you never know you needed and it's yeah really cool stuff like yeah, I, I, I know some people that use little dry erase board like roll out instead of having maps they just mm. get like some roll out a little dry wipe matte thing and draw on it and then you can get little cards where you can do your character sheet things to change stuff and yeah but i can't think of anything i don't think i'm an innovator in that space like that sort of thing um i i don't yeah i i I quite like the little dice trays that have come out um they're sort of like foldable away but Mm -hmm. i guess the thing that i would really love to see is when someone really starts actually making big progress in the character sheet has user interface because I banged on that about it before, I will again. But it's like, it's it's the one thing that your players spend most of the game time staring at. If there's some way that, like, some cunning setup or layout that can actually make it so that it's, like, more intuitive or you can get some science behind it, improve. I mean, because we, we I've seen pretty versions and they're nice, but it's something that's usable, accessible, and it really thought, helps people get into the game. I thought of an excellent way to handle the encumbrance section on a character. Oh, yeah. Does it get rid? No. <laughs> basically you as a player have to carry everything that's written on your character sheet and then you don't have to record it at all you just have to carry it interesting but what if um, you own mythical things that aren't of this world then you will have to have toy versions I guess I don't know okay um, <laughs> okay, at, at Mouse Guard okay. there's a very good way to do that which is that they have a little picture of a mouse and mm. then you draw things of the mouse carrying them that's and very if cute. you cannot draw it so the mouse is carrying it, yeah, one, it's not as cute, and two, you can't carry it. So, you know, uh, I, I love that. So, yeah. Fair yeah. enough. Um, yeah, so I, I think I the answer to that listener's question is no. We don't have any cool ideas. Um, but if you've seen stuff that is cool, please do share it with us. Okay. Yeah, uh, finally, then. Finally, If you see user interface stuff, I need to know. From Benjamin Rogers, what do you think is the single most important advice to give to A, a first-time GM, or B, a first-time player? That's actually technically two questions. Um, the single most important advice. So you can't you can't have more than one. Let's keep this quick. So I have I I have okay. one for first time new GMs. Yep. Don't stress out too much. At the end of the day, we're a bunch of adults sitting around a table playing pretend. Okay, seems good to me. Yeah. My, you any... my advice to players, first time player, is be enthusiastic. Like mm. you can you can learn everything else. 
I, I, I've said this a long time, you can learn everything else. You can learn rules, you can learn different systems, you can get how to role play. The whole thing, but the thing that is really hard to do, the thing that's really hard to fake is be enthusiastic. And nine out of ten times, your GM will forgive pretty much anything as long as you're enthusiastic about playing. Like, yeah, that, that, that's the main thing. It's like, because if you are enthusiastic, your GM will feel that you want to be there. And that is the number one thing that gets a GM to actually turn up and run your game. But be enthusiastic. Let it show. Um, uh, I would say, as a GM, if you don't know a rule, don't worry about it. Don't spend 10 minutes looking it up. Mm. Just make something up and worry about it. Mm. That's what I would say. Because nobody wants to sit there and watch you thumb through a book. Yeah. There we go. I think we've covered our listener question. Excellent. Thank you, listeners, sort for of. your questions. Ooh. Sort of. Cheers, Benjamin. To the best yeah. of our ability. Which wasn't great. But yeah. we we're, not, we're not commenting on the, 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 the level of our ability. Just we the have fact never that we... promised competence. Yes, correct. That's right. That clear. Correct. What we do promise yes. is a weekly dose of RPG news. Ooh. Interesting. So shall we do that? Okay. Very well. I shall let this continue. Okay. Well, let's start with the biggest news of the week, which is, of course, the new 1D&D playtest. Oh, well, I suppose that's, that's nice, but I, I was sort of hoping to hear about Ian Publishing. But very well, we shall talk about this Hasbro's, <laughs> Hasbro's latest. Tell me more. Okay, <laughs> so there's a new playtest document for 1D&D, mm-hmm. and it has the new Druid and the new... How did you pronounce it, Jess? I forget. It's Paladin, but I was like the Paladin. Parallelogen. Which is a druid and Which is an in joke and this isn't even the in crew that that joke's from and no yes. one listening is either, so enjoy. Well, because right, in jokes are always great say. when you overhear them and you're not part of well, them. Well that's they're the why best you always get the paladins to drive, because they're very mm. good at parallel parking. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, so we've got the druid class and the circle of the moon subclass. Yes. We have got the paladin class and the oath of devotion subclass. Yeah. We've got some revised feats. We've got a few spells with a focus on smite spells. Find familiar and find steed. And they've updated the rules glossary a little bit too. Shiny. Mm. I don't so know I... about the feats because I haven't had a look at them. Mm. So if you have anything to share on those, I would be intrigued. Because I so mostly read about the druid. There was the thing about the epic boons. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the playtest feedback, they um, one of the one of the playtest feedbacks from the first playtest document um, was the epic boons weren't really interesting enough. Mm. Okay. Uh, and they they said we agree they could use a bit more pizzazz. So apparently we're going to see those epic boons, which are Ooh. the things that you get at like twentieth level. Okay. Getting a bit of an oomph or something. Something's going to happen with them, but I don't mm. know what that is precisely. Okay. But what I notice mainly about this is um, the um, druid's um, shape-changing ability. Yeah, that was the the standout Ooh. thing for me as well. Yeah. So. So, so what they do now is they just have a standard stat block, mm-hmm. and you can kind of skin it how you like. Mm-hmm. And there's three stat blocks. I'm trying to remember this off the top of my head. There was land, sea, and sky. Sea yeah. and sky. Yeah, land, water, and sky. So it's basically three stat stat blocks. And then you basically you can choose the size, so you can have you can have like a tiny elephant if you really want one. So you, I, think they, I think they could be tiny, medium, or large. I think. I, and this is totally off the top of my head. I haven't got it right in front of me right now. But um, uh, uh, yeah, but yeah. So basically, yeah. An- oh, here we go. I found it now. Animal of the land, animal of the sea, or animal of the sky. Yeah. So basically, it pretty much uses your stats 
um, with some changes. So you uh, keep your own hit points and hit dice, then your AC might change, your speed might change. Um, like for the animal of the land, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma, keep your scores, strength and dexterity change. Um, you get some senses, you keep your languages, you keep your proficiency bonus, and you get a couple of actions like um, like bestial strike, bestial strike. How do you pronounce that word? Bestial, bestial. I'll say bestial. Or fly by if you're an animal of the sky. Mm. Yeah. Or whatever. And yeah, so that's kind of how that works. Yeah. So this is three standard kind of stat blocks, which I, are your stat block with modifications. I think clearly their aim here is to simplify it mm. and almost allow players any no. creativity. So mm. you can just pick whichever animal you like for whatever reason and mechanically it doesn't make a difference. So, mm. And it makes it easier to learn because there's you've got three kind of things yeah. really to look at. Um, so I get why they're doing it. And I guess that would make it for newer players seem less intimidating because I think being a druid or a spellcaster can seem, a, if you're new to D&D, can be a bit overwhelming with all the choices yeah. and options. So that's I understand. I think that's the goal. But I know some people don't like this because they like all the variety that you have from choosing different animals to be, you know, in your wild shape for, because that makes it a meaningful choice. Yeah, I I mean, you still have a certain degree of choice, but it feels like it's a lot more restricted. Mm -hmm. One of the other things I've noticed is that they have changed the point at which druids do get their... uh, How do you put it? Their their subclass, their their circle. Yeah, yeah. I think they're standardising that across all classes, aren't they? Yeah, yes, but obviously this does completely break backwards compatibility in the sense of the like yes, you wouldn't be able to does, use this for PHB. So yeah. it does look very much like they're definitely. How many classes in five E don't get them at third level? So cleric, druid, druid, um, and there's one more. I think there's one more. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think what it is. Sorcerer, wizard, sorcerer, and warlock both have. No, when, when, does the, when does the wizard get it? Third, second, second, second. Yeah, wizard, wizard, yeah. the second, sorcerers. Uh, they get it from the start, and yeah. warlocks get a choice at first and third. Okay, so there's five classes, that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, but they're, they're changing them all to third, aren't they? Well, that, that's what we think. I, I can't yeah. remember. Have they, they, I don't think they've done warlock yet, have they? No, no, they didn't. No, that'll um, be more complicated, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. The other thing they've done is they've made paladins to be a half-caster, gaining, they get spells at first Ooh. level, they get cantrips. Nice. Which is quite nice. Yeah. What else is there? Just glancing through it right now. Yeah. Uh, long rests now give you the unconscious condition. And normally they used to say that combat would break a long rest, but now mm. it is also broken by rolling initiative or taking damage. Mm. So that means that interrupting a long rest is now essentially a meaningful action. Mm. Because, like, you know, you could, as long as you were fighting for less than an in character hour, Hmm. Which works out as I don't know, like a couple of thousand turns. Yeah. <laughs> then you basically can interrupt a long rest. Meaningfully. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So look, they make dying a condition. I mean, yeah, it's it quite a sense. severe condition. Yeah. Not as not as severe a condition as dead. Or or as doomed. That's a very severe condition. That's Do- doomed is a more severe condition. I like that. Doomed's one. a harsh one. Yeah. 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 So this is like a like a thirty page PDF document. So they mm. have said that um, the OGL thing did affect their timeline with the PDF yeah. documents, uh, the playtest documents. Yeah, and that yes, means they're going to be they they all got pushed back a little bit, and they're going to be a bit larger. Now, is what they said. Yeah, you're going to get more content on each one okay. because yeah. they've got a, I guess less time to do it in now because they mm. lost they lost or something. Yeah, but um, 
Whose fault is that? Uh, who can who could possibly say it? <laughs> anyway, like to point fingers. <laughs> what do you, what do you think of that world shape thing? And that is the thing that stands out most to me there. The the new world shape thing. Do you um, find? I mean, it's definitely simpler. Yeah, I guess it's more accessible for new players, and if you I, like, allows you to do like more flavor. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, on one hand, it's good. It makes things simpler. It means mm. if your player says, yeah, what I'd like to be is like to be a pseudo-dragon, rather than saying, well, technically you can't be that, they're a fairy, or fae, mm. or, I, yeah, pretty, pretty sure they're a fairy. Might be a fairy dragon. What was that perk I'm thinking of? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, um, whatever. You can say, yeah, sure. And that that's good. And that addresses a lot of what players want to do. Yeah. And you can't say, well, you know, you can't... Uh, does, does it have the level restriction on the form of sky? That you can't have it before you get to a certain level. Yeah, yeah. I think both water and sky, it's like 5th yeah. and 11th, I think, or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, there yeah. are limitations, yeah. Because I, I might be wrong. I might be wrong with those levels, but... I remember you had to were. be... Yeah. When you started at 2nd, you had to be 4th to get a swim speed and 8th mm. to get a fly speed. Yeah. So, um, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't see it. it. It's not hugely relevant. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's like... And of course, there's different things. Like if you have a Velociraptor, say you can no longer. It's like, does it does it let you be tiny anymore? No, just small, medium, or large. Small, medium, or large. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah, I quite like. But your creature type doesn't change, even though you change yeah. into a yeah. So your creature type remains the same. Yeah. So which, if you change into a fairy dragon, you still wouldn't fairy. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking like the pseudo dragon specifically, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I um yeah I think what I said at the beginning I think yeah it definitely makes it feel more accessible with the rules flattening it out mm. and perhaps allows some creativity without the rules getting in the way. Seventh yeah. um, and ninth, sorry, was the two levels. But having Pain. said that, I don't. I have played a druid, but I don't main them. They're not my main class. And I think from what I've seen online, some people that do play druids a lot and it's their main class mm. don't like this because I think they they feel it takes away meaningful decisions for mm. which animals you take because they all have different kind of abilities and different yeah. things like that. So yeah. it, cause it's making it more mm. generic and in some ways that's yeah. useful because generic is yeah. good in some ways, but it then maybe makes it feel less special and customized. But yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I it, it, yeah. If, if you have opinions on this, you can, you can give it to wizards of the coast uh, until March the 20th. Um, yeah. And I think if you main druid, you are the person that should really comment on this. Because for me, I'm kind of like, I yeah, I guess. I see why you've done it, but I see why some people won't like it. But if you have strong opinions, now is the time. Yeah, I, I guess I guess sort of for me, part of the joy of playing a druid, because I did one till, I don't know, level 14 or something. You know, mm-hmm. That was quite fun. And part of the joy, it's like, you know when you're playing a cyberpunk game, part mm-hmm. of the fun of cyberpunk is you have a huge list of gear that you're choosing through, and you get sure. too nerdly obsessed over like, Oh, which gun shall I get? Shall I get the uh, the Ares Predator? Oh no, but the Subaru is so much more concealable. Yeah. And, and it's like the same sort of thing, but with um, like CRs and beasts and what beast yeah. does what. And you know, sometimes you need to break out a form of tremor sense to help you get around a problem. Mm. So it's taking that away. And also like with that healing blossoms feature, it does feel like they're really shoving druids straight into the healing uh, you're you're a he- you're a magical healer class. And it's like I guess that goes with cutesy style, yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. But it misses out a lot of the red and red in tooth and claw nature style of druid play, which 
which I have to say is a fun style. So yeah, why I think take that out? I don't know. Druids were one of the most versatile classes. Oh, like yeah. you know, I, I'd say so. Maybe that some of that will be going away. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, and technically, uh, what's it? Uh, level twenty, they started having effectively uh, infinite hit points because they had no limits on their wild shape. And they could do it as a bonus action every turn, Circle of the Moon. So it's like, oh, well, you've hit me. I'll change back into the thing. I'll change into something different as a bonus action. So that nice. meant that they got like a whole pile of extra hit points. Hard to kill. Hard but to at kill. that level, I think that's fair. Because like, yeah, when you're yeah, at that yeah, level, yeah. it's like, yeah, you are you are like the story of myth and legends. You are what bards sing about in the taverns. I mean, 20th level play is entirely theoretical from my, from my experience. So I, I don't really know. Yeah, the highest um, I've got is 15th level. Mm. Yeah, I've run games up to 20th before, and it, it does definitely turn into pure superhero. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. I, I, so, I thought they were like little demigods at level 12, so goodness. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, so, sticking with Wizards of the Coast, um, you know Kyle Brink? Not I'm aware of him. You're aware yeah. of him. He was doing his sort of like interview tour on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was an apology tour, but sure. Well, I kind of, I kind of stopped watching them really because they were all kind of the same. And yeah. I watched first two or three of them, and then I just kind of okay. It's, it's holding the party line very much. So. so basically, I'm just waiting to hear, and then someone tells me that he said something interesting in one. I might go and look at that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But he did say something interesting when talking to Bob the World Builder. Oh yeah, right. on the YouTube's. Mm-hmm. So um, they talked about Dark Sun briefly. Oh yeah, Bob yeah. The World That's Builder right. kind of asked why Dark Sun has not been revisited in the way that some of the other sort of uh, settings have been. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he replied, and this is a quote, um, yes. I'll be frank here, mm-hmm. the Dark Sun setting is problematic in a lot of ways, and that's the main reason we haven't come back to it. We know it's got a huge fan following, and we have standards today that make it extraordinarily hard to be true to the source material and also meet our ethical and inclusion standards. We know there's love for it out there, and God, we would love to make those people happy, and we've also got to be responsible. I'm not familiar with the setting, or I mean, I'm not super familiar with it. I never owned it. I've never played it. in it. Um, all I know about it is what I've heard secondhand, seen online. Yeah. So, um, also it, like slavery, it has slavery in it. Cannibal okay. um, halflings. Yeah, yeah, it's got stuff as I understand it. Yeah. But I'm not okay. by uh, no um, means an expert. I mean, I mean, Ajit George, who is very highly spoken of, and mm. yeah was pretty instrumental in the Radiant Sistal, uh, mm. said he'd like to have a crack at it, and I think that'd be quite interesting. Yeah. If they sort of got the same sort of team as they did for the Radiant Sistal, mm-hmm. let them have a go, I think they could probably do a fairly good job of ironing out a lot of the problematic yeah, aspects. Yeah. yeah. But I, I don't think they're going to, and the reason I don't think that is because I was bored, I was on YouTube, and I saw like a lot of the art for... The um, like the species that they've done, and they've really focused very heavily on making them quite cute and cutesy and snuggly. Mm. Uh, okay. It's like you know, um, like centaurs used to be like they're, they're they're beasts from Greek myth, and they are not yeah. necessarily pleasant mm. individuals. But now they're like just happy little pony bros. Uh, you know, that, that's cool. And there's a lot of it where it's just like it's so, really so focused towards cutesy and kid. Oh, that was I think D and D shorts. They were running through. Like a t- no, but I mean, where, where was the art? I mean, was oh, it from- um, now you're asking. I think it was monsters. Uh, the, the sort of the multiverse one. Right. I, I don't, I don't own that book, so I, okay. I don't know. But they, they seem to be bringing them up. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that is 
that I mean it's very cute and I think it's nice that they've got a cute aesthetic uh, which yeah. is more approachable more friendly and it won't give you children nightmares and that's nice but yeah I can see how that and the uh, what's it the <laughs> the six foot tall praying mantises that come with Dark Sun might mm. be challenging yeah that's about yeah well, you can have different settings with different aesthetics, though, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. You can have a cute, you can have a cute setting and a non-cute setting. <laughs> the Ooh, the two categories: is it cute yes. or not? And yeah, that yeah, is how yeah. we should categorise RPGs going uh, forward. And, and everything else in the world from going. Uh, going oh, I am looking forward to seeing Chibi Strahd. That will be excellent. <laughs> okay. Yes. Oh my uh, gosh. I need, you, I need you to categorise something for me now. Then is this okay. cute or is it not cute? Okay. Is it foam? Yes. Life-sized mimic. It does look kind of cute. Do you think oh. it's cute? You're I, going I, cute. I, oh, Have you seen this, this, Peter? Let I me share. Let me share the link. Let me share it's the link. It's twenty inches tall and it's being produced by WizKids. Basically, it's a chest with its mouth open and a big tongue and teeth yeah. coming out. And twenty inches. It's not massive, but it's a good size. Oh, yeah. It's a decent, decent sized chest, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, three hundred and seventy-five dollars. <laughs> it's not cheap. Oh wow. Oh, that one. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I cute, am going to say cute, that's or, not cute. Cute or not cute? You're going not cute. Jess is going cute. So yeah. I get the deciding vote. I'm going to okay. go... Sorry, I've got to go not cute with this one. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, there's a lot... quite grotesque sort of, to me. A lot of teeth, big purple tongue. Yeah. Uh, although I would say that if you were to get, like, a whole pile of, like, dolls, like, you know, like little baby dolls, and mm. take off all their legs, and then strap them that's to the bottom cute. of it... Let me finish... You would have the luggage from Terry Pratchett. Oh, right. Okay. And that would also not be cute, but it would be very cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that would, def- that would definitely be a different thing than the mimic. Um, Just, I would yeah. Give it. Question. Shadow Run Astral Ways, cute or not cute? Um, <laughs> well, Shadow Run's probably not cute, I think. The oh, cover of this generally. book looks pretty cute, though. You think? Yeah. yeah it's It's like nice blues and purples and there's a cool person with like a cool sword jumping around yeah i mean admittedly the bottom right corner is a lot less cute with that sort of strange astral monstrosity so what is this thing if astral monstrosity not friend why is it friend shaped peter (laughs) it's not friend shaped jessica yes it is Okay, okay sorry answer your question okay so there's a new shadow run source book coming out called Mm. astral ways And um, it's coming out uh, next month on March the 8th, so very soon. Mm -hmm. And it lets you explore the mysterious metaplanes and strange magical beings that live there, uh, which Mm -hmm. Peter does not think these magical beings are friend-shaped, and I do. But we'll leave that (laughs) up to you. It's your role-playing game. Um, But yeah, it's like a 186-page book, and it gives you guidelines on how to use the metaplanes in campaigns and examples of ones you can visit. And what happens Ooh. to your tech and augmentations when you like cross the boundaries into different realms? Because that will have an effect. So, um, so it's kind of like the Shadowrun Manual of the Planes, basically. Yes. Okay. Pretty much. Cool. Um, and like, That's I think exciting. I don't know the Shadowrun setting really well, but from what I know, usually mm. it was like quite a high-level magic user thing in the mm. world. But in this book, gates are opening randomly in different places, so it allows more people to to play in that space. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Should we talk momentarily about the Vault of Splintered Souls? That sounds um, terrifying. Is that from the Golden Vault or is that something else? Golden... It is not from the Golden Vault. It's from EN Publishing. We oh. released it this week. It's a mega dungeon, a 14-level dungeon that will take what? parties from 6th 
to 10th level for 5e. It went out on Insider, uh, 5e mm-hmm. magazine on Patreon. Okay. 100 pages of content. Wow. So it's massive. Mm-hmm. Um, it had 14 different um, writers that we brought them all in to do a dungeon, a, a level of the dungeon each. Nice. And it, yeah, yeah, you can, you can get it right now from Insider in PDF format. How much Sweet. is it to be part of the Insider as a patron? It's a good question, Jessica, and I'm glad you asked me. It's like five I can tell you, it's from as little as three dollars per month. We have. I knew that. Um, That's a thing that I knew. So, like for three dollars, you can get this amazing 100 page. A plus, thing. this is because this is our 500th issue. Yes. Mm. You can also get 499 other ones. Yeah. For that same three dollars, not three dollars each. Three dollars, you get all 500. So you just get the back catalogue when you. Join that is as a ridiculous. Well. Can you imagine? What's 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 Three dollars divided by five hundred. How much are we charging now per per item? Uh, I mean, this has to be the cheapest deal in the history of. Dollars per item was three hundred. So it's not like point point six cents. Yeah. Not not cents. Yes. Not even point six. Even less. Yeah. An order of magnitude less I'd, than that. I, yes. I, I'm pretty sure three hundred cents divide. Uh, products divided by cents. Five hundred divided by three hundred. So no, yeah, that is going to be zero point six. No, you're right. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so 0.6 cents per item. That's pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah. 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 Okay. So uh, that's that. And also we have some other news because that's one thing that we, we did this week. And we also announced some things that we are doing Ooh. this week. Not that we're doing this week, but this week. Yeah, I was about to say, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Just to be really clear. This is like the year's plan. Yeah. We yeah. sat yeah. and we mapped out the whole of 2023. A whole bunch of stuff. Our plans for 2023. The yeah. so, publishing roadmap to victory. I'm here. Yeah. Let's go. I mean, this is the level up roadmap. We are doing Woo. other stuff as well as this. We're doing some yeah. sort of new stuff and we're doing other stuff as well. This is just That's the good. level up stuff. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to whip through it really quick. Do it. Woo. Okay. So Gate Pass Gazette Annual 2022 currently being fulfilled to Kickstarter backers arriving at their homes as we speak. Yeah, fulfillment will be complete from our yeah. perspective. Everything's yeah. been sent to the printers unless yeah. you've been late. In which yeah. case, I've emailed you and told you off and told you to send yeah. me your address. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that will be available for purchase in April if you didn't back the Kickstarter. Once all the Kickstarter backers have their copies, that you will be able to buy. Yeah. So that should be Great. April, May, if, if there's any delay with fulfillment, but it should be April. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to Save a Kingdom, the Adventure Path, which follows on from Memories of Holdenshire. Uh, slated for an April Kickstarter. I'm running this in my Thursday night game at the moment. Um mm. Mm-hmm. So that is in layout at the moment, about half done. By the time the Kickstarter comes, as always, it will be done. And so people will get the PDF as soon as the Kickstarter ends, as always. And I'm speaking to some people about arranging an actual play where they'll be playing through the adventure. So if be bad, you want to have a sneak peek and, and have a look to see if it'll suit you and your group, yeah. you'll be able to... Watch. And I'm just speaking to some nice. people about this to see if we can arrange it. So I don't have anything to announce good, yet, but... So it's going to be a hardcover adventure path, three big adventures, to slay a dragon, to stake a vampire, and to smite a fiend. Good times. Yeah. And then we have got, in July, a Kickstarter for the Level Up starter set and or upgrade kit, depending what name we actually end up going with. I think with. we're going for upgrade kit. Yeah. Possibly upgrade kit, yeah. Upgrade kit's um, amazing. As does what doesn't thing. Because it's to upgrade uh, your D&D games to level yeah. up. So it's a 32-page rulebook, an adventure, some tokens, maps, pre-generated characters, hitting Kickstarter in July in a boxed set. Yes. Which, nice. Yeah. We then we have... probably advertise that at UK Games Expo. Uh, Just saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we won't... We won't, we won't, yeah. we won't have I mean, it. Obviously, 
But yeah, like no. we can the tell people about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what's announced. That's what's supposed to Because that'd be easy. Then, make January twenty twenty four, we'll have the Kickstarter for the Gate Pass Gazette Annual twenty twenty three. Nice. Yeah. Uh, February 2024, we'll have the Void Runners Codex Kickstarter. Yes, we had to move that back. It was originally planned for this year, yeah. but we want to make it as awesome as, as, it, as possible. And so we want yeah. to give it the time it needs in development to make sure yeah. we didn't want because mm. we could have put it out this year. I think there's, it's, mm. it's kind of technically all there, but we wanted, we wanted it to be really good. Polish so it a bit. We wanted yeah. to polish it a bit more. Yeah. Sue, so, we also have three other books which we're kind of announcing, but we haven't got dates attached to them. Mm. Are we in? I, I, okay. They're vaporware at the moment, is what I'm hearing. Well, there's the Plane Striders Journal. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's it. Which is basically a variety of planes, yeah. character options, and details on planar web ships. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, I think I saw a playtest document for that. Is that not on general release? Uh, yeah, Mike put out a playtest document a week ago yeah. for some of that player facing content. It's on mm-hmm. EN World if you want to yeah. check that out. Yeah. So yeah. there's that coming. There's the Monstrous Menagerie 2, which Paul Hughes is on board to do. Ooh, exciting. That's going to be not, like 2024. I just want to be really clear. We've not started that. So no, that, we haven't that started might be like yet. 2024, might be 2025. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Place Sorry, Riders Journal will be much. Manager hat comes on. I'm like, yeah. calm down. Place Riders Journal will be much sooner because we've got the, we've got the text for that. Yes, yeah. correct. Correct. That would be like right. 2024. Yes. And then regional source book. This is the medieval Japan inspired source book, which we have not started. We haven't even recruited people to write it or make it yet. Yeah. Because uh, it is, we it do is want an to make idea. sure. Yes. Yeah. We we want to get people of Japanese descent to write a book. Yeah. So we haven't even begun the process of that yet. So that's not anytime soon, but that is on the roadmap there. It is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's our plans. And I was. I always get hesitant as a business person because my job is like, I think sometimes people forget, and when I say people, the creative people on our team, forget that once they hand over the manuscript and once the layout's done, it can still be like a year until books are in people's hands because I have to do Ooh. all the stuff that I do. So some people are like, right, we've done that project. And it's like, no, we haven't. No, we have no. not. <laughs> <laughs> that, no, your part That's... of that job is done. <laughs> yeah. The but real yeah. work has yet to commence. Yeah, and I think the thing that customers are like, or, yeah. you know, people, gamers want to know is when am I going to have this in my hands? So that mm. that is the date for them. So, yeah. Well, yeah. listeners to this podcast are well educated in the logistics of the creation, publication, and distribution of role-playing game source books. Mm-hmm. We know we can rely on your questions. Excellent. Hey, do you want to hear about some new Pathfinder and Starfinder releases? Go on then. Mm. Because Paizo put stuff out a lot. They put out a lot of stuff. <laughs> They're busy people. Yeah, yeah, busy people. So they've just released Pathfinder Treasure Vault. Yes. Nice. There's lots of equipment and magic items. Yeah. Loads and loads of it. Hardcover book. You can also get it in a pocket edition and stuff. But yeah, nice big hardcover book just full of equipment and magic items mm. for Pathfinder 2. Sweet. Um, they also have their new adventure path. Um, they Watch the Stars, which is the second part of the Gatewalkers Adventure Path. Mm-hmm. If you're following that, yeah. after learning the truth behind their missing memories, the party must travel across the frigid Northlands towards the demon-ravaged wastes of Sarkoris to help seal away an ancient evil. Sweet. Which sounds like a very pathfinder thing to do. Yeah. Have they not extended their humble bundle sale as well? They have. I'm getting there. Yeah, I'm getting okay. there. There's too much pathfinder. I can't keep I'm working my way down the list. I'll get there. We have a Starfinder adventure path, uh, Drift Hackers. Yeah. The second part of Drift Hackers is called Clockwork Demons. Yeah. When a clockwork exhibit comes to life, the party must fight their way through the building to shut them down. 
Huh. Definitely sounds like a Doctor Who episode, that. <clears throat> Very much so. Ooh. And then there's a whole bunch of stuff that's come out. Uh, Pathfinder Lost Omens, the Morangi Expense Special Edition, Pathfinder Society Scenario 409, Killer in the Golden Mask, Pathfinder Society Scenario 410, Art Claws, and Bo- oh, and I'm not going to list it all. There's loads of it. Loads of stuff. Yep. Pathfinder. And you can, I'll put a link in the show notes. You can go and have a look at the actual list, but there's a yeah. whole load of stuff that I've never released. But Ooh. as you alluded to just now, yes. Peter, yes. you did mention the Humble Bundle. Yes. Um, so they have a Humble Bundle uh, called So You Want to Try Pathfinder. Yep. And so far, they've sold over 100,000 bundles and raised over $180,000 nice. for Code for America. Ooh. And this has over four hundred dollars of PDFs, with tiers ranging from five dollars to twenty-five dollars. And they have extended that. It was going to end. They've extended that until March the second. So if you want to get in on that, you can now get it until the end of next week. That's the Thursday, I believe. In fact, I know it is because I know that March the third is the Friday, and I know that March the third is the Friday because that's the day I'm moving house. Yeah. So you will not be here. We will. I will not be here next week. We will have will to soldier, soldier all about you. We will. Yeah, we will, to, we will find a way to. somehow through this tragedy. Somehow. Yeah. Somehow you'll do it. Uh, have we got any more news? I, yes. Have we got any Fallout and or Star Trek news? I, I have another piece of news as well. Ah, Peter is waving a cat at me. It is my way. <laughs> it's for, it's their culture. Just just let them. For some reason, um, yeah. <laughs> anyway. I will try and wave my dog back, but my dog is a little heavier than your cat. Hudson so. would be willing, I think. I think he'd he'd be like, "Oh, I did something great. I'm on board. I'm on board. I'm here for <laughs> yeah, it." Yeah, yeah. My dog, however, <laughs> my dog Django would not be on board. He'd be like, "Absolutely not. Put me down." Um. Anyway, don't they- put him down. Oh no! Oh, my God. <laughs> oh the animal cruelty yes. allegations of the interruption continue. <laughs> He's only nine. Um, anyway, so the news I have is kind yes. of related to the idea of putting down. It's The Walking Dead. <laughs> um, okay. So oh, Free League, the company that does every license ever, uh, but does it very well, so we don't mind. Um, the Walking Dead universe uh, role-playing game is happening. It's going to Kickstarter on March. We have the date. The launch date is March the 14th. And... Would you um, reckon million dollar Kickstarter? Oh uh, yeah, easily. Um, but yeah, the yeah. pre-launch page is up now, so you can click to be notified when it launches. I'm excited about it because I really like The Walking Dead. I've for over a decade been collecting the the graphic novels. Mm. Um, I love a bit of zombie survival horror, um, <laughs> and I think the bit I like about survival horror isn't actually the zombies. It's just what do we as people do now? We are in this situation, and the zombies are just an obstacle in that survival situation. And I think The Walking mm. Dead. TV show and graphic novels do that really well, and I'm really hoping that comes through in the role-playing game as well. Uh, I noticed that Fragging Unicorns have returned to produce Subversion, Magic, Technology, and Rebellion. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. That's a Kickstarter that they've uh, bought out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. as of, like, what, three days ago? So, okay. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it's 200% funded in, mm. like, just under five hours. So, yeah. They're looks, sitting pretty. Yeah, it looks quite fun. Um, if you like cyberpunk stuff and a D6 du- based dice pool game, mm-hmm. <laughs> do you like D6 based dice pool game? Yeah, mm-hmm. do you like um, D6 dice pool? As I say, it sort of does does remind me very much of um, Shadowrun, um, like thematically, but I suspect mechanics will be somewhat different. So I'd be mm. quite interested to find out how people have found it to play. Uh, okay. But yeah, 
Both Lincoln. It looks exciting. Like the artwork. Yeah. Um, Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah. Coming out August the 31st. Mm. Yes. Mm. 2023. <laughs> I mean, it's been in early access for ages. Yes, it has. Like at um, least two, but, three years. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's officially coming out on mm. August the 31st. Yeah. For those who wish to buy it. Yeah. And pre-orders are now open for that game. I haven't actually played the, um, the early access thing, so I don't know anything yeah, about either. it, really. Yeah. I know you have, haven't you, Peter? Yeah, I, I very much enjoyed it. Uh, essentially, it's based on the Divinity Originals Sin 2 engine. So yeah. if you played that game, then it was very much like that to start with. And then people complained because it wasn't like 5e enough. So they've toned down a lot of the exciting things, like mm. a lot. Um, and they put some other stuff in. But it looks like there's a good plot to it. I think you go quite high level, like 11 or something. So yeah. mm. uh, it's, very, it's, it's very pretty. Looks good. Mm. Um, I might give it a try. As long as it's available for Mac, I might give it a try. It is. Yeah. PC, Mac oh, and PS5. Jolly, jolly good. Yeah, yeah. Jolly good. Yeah. Okay. Really good. Is that it? The only other bit of news I have is about the Fallout RPG. They've got a new book coming out, The Winter of Atom, mm-hmm. and they released a blog post talking about the different factions uh, that appear mm. in that book. Okay. Mm. So you can read about it all in their blog post. We've linked it on EM Well. But to summarise it, um, there's one that's called uh, Mirage, which is a huge moving casino, which sounds very cool. And there's uh, the Freaky Fre- Freaks. Freaks, spelt F-R-E-E-Q-U-E-S. So I guess freaks, the freaks, I guess. have settled in a decrepit circus tent called the Big Top as well. Uh, the Beats have taken over a large scrap heap they're called Beatsville. And there's the blacksmiths called Sisters of the Forge. Um, there's another faction in there as well. All sound quite cool. So if mm. you're into Fallout, they sound like cool little weird factions. Uh, yes. um, but yeah, mm. you can read more about them on the blog post. But Winter of Atom camping book is coming out. They've said the second right. quarter of 2023. So by the summer, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. it'll be available. Ah, hey, you know what's happening the on... Winter summer. Yes. What's happening on Tuesday? Um, Tuesday night, our time. 7pm Is there some sort of climactic battle of good and evil? Something like that, yeah. It is the final episode of Against the Dragon Lords. Oh, no spoilers. Uh, I am behind. Advanced 5e live stream playing through Mm -hmm. Dragons of Despair. Yes. Mm. The first Dragon Lance module. Yes. And, yeah, yeah, it's the last episode. Yes. It's exciting. Sweet. The finale, if you will. Yeah, we have had dragon wrestling. What else have we had? We have had people falling off bridges. We have had... (laughs) We have people (laughs) drinking poison. Yeah. Deliberately, just, yeah. <laughs> just just to see if they could, okay. <laughs> just to find out yeah. what it is, and the best way to find out what an unmarked bottle is is to drink it. Obviously, yeah, that is, makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. It, it, sorry, all, all my chemist training is like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, no, no, <laughs> no. Why no, did you do that? Oh, no, yeah. it's, so it's been a very <laughs> interesting campaign. Um, there, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you enjoyed yourself just I now? have I've enjoyed myself no. immensely it's really great I've enjoyed um, myself I think it's been a great little group it has yeah. been great and we're we're stopping because Russ is moving house and a lot of stuff mm. going on there so we're coming to well, the we're end stopping because we've got to the end um, of it and because <laughs> we've got to the end of it's that but there may be options for us to come back to this cast and for this setting for season two for season yeah. two yeah. But, we, um, but we don't have dates or anything like that now but that yeah. is something we are looking at yeah. Yeah. So if you would like us to do that, come and watch the finale live so that we know we have people that want to see it. Yeah. Ooh. MCDM, Matt Colville's RPG company. Oh. 
has officially announced their upcoming RPG. Um, they kind of started working on it during the OGL Crisis Gate yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. But this isn't a 5e clone, oh. like some of the others are. Yes. Uh, like Cobalt Press's Black Flag is, for example. Mm-hmm. Or, or NT Black Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is their own system. Mm-hmm. But it looks like it's heavily influenced by 4e. From what I hear, I haven't, I gotta admit, I haven't looked into it myself. I'm literally telling you what I've heard. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, it's unofficially titled Inevitable. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether that will end up being the, the name of the game, but it looks like it's definitely, yeah, kind of fourie ish, mm-hmm. maybe, but I don't know for sure. But, um, it is coming. Um, they've started working on it. They started working on it a couple of months ago. And they've got quite a lot of resources. They've done several multi-million dollar Kickstarters now, haven't they? A Mm. couple of two million dollar ones, I think, and at least one or two million dollars. Nice. So they've got the resources to make something really special. Nice. So it's going to be interesting to see how that comes. Yeah. And that's not the only one. There is also the, uh, I think there's like as yet untitled or as yet unnamed RPG on Kickstarter. Insert name here or something like that. I literally (laughs) cannot remember what it's called. That's that's, that's 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 the holding title for it, though. It's called something like that. And that's okay. got a whole bunch of like um, people like Ken Height and Robin Laws and mm. um, Owen um, Casey Stevens and people like that, like mm. yeah, veteran game designers that mm. you've heard of, mm-hmm. are involved in that. And that is going to be a another fully open RPG. And I think from what I've heard, that one again isn't going to be a 5e clone again. It's called it's um, be a new game. Cool Name Goes Here. Cool Name Goes Here. There we go. That's the one. Yeah. Okay. So again, that's... so. Not everyone's doing 5e clones, was the, main, the, the thing I was just trying to say there. It's like MCDM and Cool uh, yeah. Name Goes Here. Looks like they're not 5e clones. Whereas Black Flag and Cubicle 7's one seem to be going mm-hmm. the 5e direction. Mm-hmm. Nice. And of course, Level Up is the 5e direction. Well, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's yeah. a thing that is happening. And I thought I would report it in the news because it is news. Okay. Uh, so Mongoose Publishing have just yeah. announced that their new Shield Maidens RPG is now available. And this is if you take Vikings and you take Cyberpunk and you stick them in a blender and blend them all up and what comes out the other end is Shield Maidens and you become a daughter of Freya and you take on the mortals and the gods. Cool. Okay. I've heard it a bit about that. Sounds kind of cool. Vikings, Cyberpunks. I like mm. I like the idea of that as an aesthetic. Yes. The artwork does look very cool. Yeah, I can't speak to the game itself, but as an aesthetic, I like that. Very mm. Um so you can get a training guide, and that tells you how to become a shield maiden. In real life. And a life. game master's guide. Yes, yes, yeah. Jessica, in real life. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, a game I mean, master's if guide. If which... you want to help with it, I, I can give you some pointers. Thank you. Well, you can You're also welcome. get a GM screen, and you can get glow-in-the-dark dice, and a CD and MP3 soundtrack. Right then, Sounds I amazing. think we're done now with the news. We are done with the news. So, um, I've noticed something very odd recently. Odd? How so? Well, in in the course of my studies, I believe I have gained an important insight into the underlying workings of the multiverse. Fascinating. Yes. Um, I've been recording and carefully analysing the outcomes of, you know, every action we undertake in in an attempt to build a, you know, comprehensive catalogue of the rules which govern our daily lives. Oh, you know I don't believe in rules. Me neither. Rules, schmools. 
and yet, uh, our very destinies are forged by secret laws which underpin the very fabric of our existence. Like what? Yeah, well, for example, I've noticed that the frequency with which you, dear warrior, successfully land a telling blow upon your foes is spread out in precisely, um, 5% increments. 5% increments? Whatever do you mean? Okay, well... When averaged out over a you know, long enough duration, um, you manage to slow, strike a lowly goblin exactly 15 out of 20 times, but a fearsome bugbear a mere 12 out of 20. That makes no sense. I, I assure you my figures are, are accurate. Yeah. Uh, and furthermore, I observed, through careful and, and meticulous record-keeping, uh, that after defeating the mighty Troll King last year, uh, all of your attack probabilities increased by precisely uh, one chance in 20, or... Five percent. Ah, my learned friend, um, you have far too much time on your hands. Oh, it's not just attacks. You know, the outcome of any action is measured in five percent increments. Actually, I've noticed something too. You have? Oh, yes. Have you noticed that everybody in the world moves distances which are exactly divisible by five? Divisible by five? Yeah. When you move, you move 30 feet. When I move, I move exactly 25 feet. Well, you are a halfling. It makes sense you would move slower. Yes, yes, yes. But, you know, but what he's saying is that in these distances, they are all units of exactly five feet. Well, of course they are. I mean, all the corridors and rooms are built that way. How else would we move? Yes, yes that, that's the point. The world is built upon an invisible grid of five foot squares and we move across that grid like playing pieces on a board. Hmm. Tack probability increments. Five foot grids? Ah, none of this makes any sense. I mean, it, it gets worse. Yeah, tell him about the time thing. Hmm. Have you noticed, dear warrior, that no matter how many times you attack the enemy, or how many times you score a successful hit upon them, you seem only capable of potency once every six seconds? I do. You do? And worse, have you not noticed how we all take turns to attack in a seemingly predetermined order. Well, I had noticed that, but uh, I thought we were just being orderly. I mean, I like a bit of structure. Oh, this is more than mere structure, my friend. Oh, I'm sure it's just a coincidence. It is no coincidence. I have come to the conclusion that we are mere puppets in a cosmic game. Oh, come on. You notice a corridor is five feet wide, and now we're marionette playthings whose fates are determined by an invisible set of measurements and rules? That is exactly what we are saying. Well, that's just ridiculous. I refuse to believe it. Believe it or not, the evidence is irrefutable. Our lives are governed by a strict set of mathematical expressions. Fine. You want me to believe that? What a charisma deception check. Malak the Maleficent here. If, like me, you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon for exclusive bonus content every week and the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are helping to keep the show going. Subscribe at patreon.com slash morris. There, I said it. Can you stop staring at me like that now? The things I do. All right, all right. Don't forget... Patreon.com slash Morris. Can I go now?
We should probably talk about Topic of the Week. Yes, mm. Russ, what are we discussing now, this week? Sure, we are going to be talking about resolution mechanics. Dice kind of specifically, but I think we can expand into other resolution mechanics and how they affect the feel of a TTRPG. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, and this was inspired by a listener question, wasn't it? By two listener um, questions of the same topic. Two listener questions? What? A, a question from Carl. Uh, the question also came from Danny on TikTok. Oh, well, thank you, Carl. Thank you, Danny. Sure. What do you think? Does the choice of dice or different resolution mechanics affect the feel of TTRPG? Yes or no? Yes. Oh, massively. There you go. Sorted. Right. Yeah. Okay, okay. that was a good week. Well done, guys. <laughs> good so should we maybe talk a little bit more about why we and, play? And the different Fine. system. Okay. So, yeah. All right, we'll do that. Then. We'll do that. Right. If we must. So D&D, which is probably the yes. most well-known tabletop role-playing game, uses the Ooh. D20 system, as do many others. I've not heard of it myself. Don't worry, you're pretty little head about it, Russ. Um, so... There you go, nice. See what it's like to be me in the industry. Welcome. It's nice, Damn. isn't it? Anyway, um, I did actually have someone online tell me I really shouldn't discuss tabletop RPG rules because I had the audacity to say that perhaps people should change the rules to suit their party and table. Oh, you said that the other day, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, well, you shouldn't discuss rules online then. And I was like, it's going to be tricky because it's part of my job. <laughs> uh, so technically, folks, I shouldn't be here, so I apologise. Um, but anyway, mm. so, what do, so anyway. D20 is very popular. Yes. Mm-hmm. What do we think that does to a game? What vibe does that bring? Uh, the D20 yeah. kind of feels quite... Oh, God. I'm trying to describe a feeling of a dice now. This is mm. like something I never thought I'd be trying to do. How yeah. do I describe a feeling? Because I actually do have a feeling about a D20. Yeah. When I roll a D20, it feels different to me when I roll a different... Oh, it's like a physical yeah. object to roll it, opposed yeah. to what it does mechanically. No, no. I mean, as in the level of granularity of a D20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Specifically. And yeah. the flat roll mm-hmm. it is, swinging. as opposed to... Yeah, yes. and the swinginess of it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my god, I can't even think of how to even say this. Um, well, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's this. a big gamble every time you roll the dice. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's, yeah. A, more, it's a more swingy because it's yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a big it's a big range with yeah. equal chance at each end. Like you said, the same about D one hundred, even more. So. Yes, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Um, um, but D one hundred, I think we established the other week. They feel kind kind of scientific. To me, I don't know if they do for everyone. It's got that whole 10th grade vibe to it. Well, it's because it's a percentage chance. If you've got to roll 63 or below, you know you've got a 63% chance of doing it. Even more granular. Yeah, yeah. It gives you a sort of precision. Yeah. 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 D20 systems do feel, in a way, quite exciting. And I think it works quite well for combat because there's always a chance. Like I say, even if you're really bad at something, your character's not... You know, not an expert in this thing. You could always roll like a twenty or you know something. There's always a chance that it can go well. And equally, even mm-hmm. if you're really skilled at something, there's a chance that it's not going to go so great. And of course, you can yeah. mitigate that with stats and things. But it's yeah. yeah. But I think that makes exciting combat. And so each roll is yeah. like you have that moment. Of, oh, what's going to happen? Um, yeah. yeah. Well, it makes for swingy combat. Yes. And if you miss, which happens about a third of the time, then. That's a lot less exciting, I must say. But um, so that's why it's quite exciting to talk about. Yeah, but mm, I do great. think sometimes if I'm playing a different Tyler game, I want to be an expert in something. I want to be rewarded yeah. for being knowledgeable about that, and I don't. Yeah. I don't want just anybody to be able to do that thing, mm. which I think dice pool systems do really well. And yeah. Russ, mm. I know you're a fan of a D6 dice pool. 
Mm. Yeah, but I like rolling a handful of dice. I think that just feels fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I yeah, mean, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, enjoy- it's an enjoyable physical action. Because yeah. I... The first game I ever played, and I don't know if this is if this has influenced mine, was like a it's a World of Darkness hack. So it wasn't exactly World mm. of Darkness, but you're rolling a whole load of different D10s depending on how good yeah. you are at the thing. And yeah. zeros explode as tens explode, so um, mm. there's always the chance that it could go really well, even if you're not that good at it. So there is that little mm. bit of that element, but so much of it was, are you good at this thing? You're being rewarded, so it's like a success kind of st- style system, and also yeah. fun to throw lots of dice. So I mm. think. That suits me for more kind of. I think dice pools are good for more like modern setting games that because oh, it feels okay. a bit yeah. more realistic in my. This is my mm. opinion because uh, yeah. like D20, I think works really well for fancy campaigns. It's like I'm a big hero and I can do this, or I'm going to do this. I'm going to take a leap of faith and this thing might happen, and it's like really mm. fun and fantastical. But I think if you're yeah. doing something a bit more like now, if you're like, well, I'm a yeah. scientist, so I am very good at doing this sciency thing. You're like, yes, that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah, so it's sort of the difference between wild swings between massive success, massive failure, mm-hmm. and consistency. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. is that? But I mean, a dice pool is kind of right more. Yeah, yeah, it's more predictable. Yes, you get a bell curve with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas a d twenty is a flat. Yeah, yeah. It's equally likely to draw one or ten or twenty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and a game that specifically draws upon this is stars without number. Mm. Which uses a D twenty for attack rolls and saving throws, which most can be combat or extremely high risk. But for just doing your thing that you're supposed to be good at or not, as case may be, you roll two D six. I mean, I'm, I, I mean, I gotta say, I, I've been thinking, I haven't got around to implementing it. But I'm thinking, oh, you know what? Maybe I could do the same thing for level up, do three D six. Of that, I've he- I've heard people suggesting that for D and D. Year mm-hmm. people have been trying. Mm. They've said instead of rolling a d20, roll three d8. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think it drastically not not for changes the balance of the game, but, but, but the it does make it way. more. Yeah, mm. it does. It does. It does lean it more towards a predictable, less swingy game. Yeah, but I, I was thinking specifically for things like ability checks. Right. I think level up would be quite good for that because I think I honestly yeah. I agree. I think it'd be a good idea. Yeah, because on, um, it, it kind of mitigates that thing where the Mm. The low strength character mm-hmm. yeah. happens to roll a twenty, and the high strength character happens to roll a one, and the low mm. strength character can lift something that the high strength character can't. It, exactly, yeah. that was the which thing is was, something yeah. that the D twenty mm. system does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas if you change that to a three d six, well, that mm. still can happen. You can still yeah. roll an eighteen or a three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's much less likely because it's going to push you in towards the middle. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. your modifier is going to become more rather than the dice roll itself. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, sort of for things that you should be able to do. Like a dice pool feels quite nice yeah. for things where you want it to be swingy and exciting. You just mm. don't know what's going to happen. The flat mm. roll is pretty good there. Is that, that what we're taking away? I, I think, think also so. what you have to hit as well. Because yeah. when you're running well, dice yeah. and you're adding a number, you try yeah. hit a certain number. So a D20 mm. has a decent range where you can add yes. modifiers to. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but even with a D20, you can get, like in D&D 3E and 3.5, Mm. High-level characters mm. would be having modifiers larger than the range of the d20, mm. which basically meant the dice roll wasn't all that important, really. Yeah, it was yeah. a static. It was a static number plus a little bit, a little bit on top. Yeah. Um, but the smaller the dice is, the die is, or the yeah. die roll ranges, the more that problem. If you, you know, if you're rolling d4s for everything, there's not much modifiers modifiers you can do to that yeah. before the d4 becomes insignificant. Well, well, so the larger the die, Cal- the more... Caltrop Core does that. It's a D4. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Yeah. System, so. hmm. 
And things like going back to exploding dice, like some mm. worlds, dice can explode and do. Yeah, exploding dice are fun. I like that. They it just uh, I feel that it's like sort of there's a bias to success and a bias to failure in some games. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like Call of Cthulhu, Delta Green, the whole D one hundred family. If I say D one hundred system, I feel I'm looking at a bias to failure. As in, if I rolled a dice, I'm probably expecting not to succeed. Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily true of the dice mechanic itself. It's just hmm. based, it's based on the scores you. you're likely to have. Yeah, yeah. You can certainly make a D100 system which didn't do that. But I think a no, system sure. that sets you up to feel like, oh, it might not go well, I, I'm not going to do hmm. well. I think it's perfect for Cthulhu because it is like, you're a person hmm. and this is like an eldritch god. So you're like, mm. that's fair. I probably won't do very well in this situation. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I think I think the D100 system fits Cthulhu really well. So for what? exactly what uh, you said. Uh, absolutely. Um, like, essentially, if things are risky and you're having to roll dice, you expect things to go wrong. Yeah. Is that fair? I mean, you could, you could, you could, you could like, say, oh, well, you have plus 30 to the roll or whatever. And things like Death Watch and Dark Heresy the Old. Fantasy flight games of Space Marines and Inquisitors, that yeah. would let you get around that. Yeah. I think I mentioned like it was last week that I really like mm. D one hundred for sci fi games. Mm. Like little fatter series of games like yeah. Star Trek and Doctor Who and stuff back in the day. D one hundred I just felt it felt for that game. Yeah. A percent, you know, things that looked like a percentage and were that granular because mm-hmm. they were quite scientific games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like your the abilities you had was like life sciences, botany and stuff. It wasn't, yeah. you know, it was quite, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of your abilities yeah. were quite scientific in nature Niche, yeah. and mm-hmm. just like a percentage feels right. Yeah. And what you can like still you do that. Precise. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can yeah. still do that with a D20 and mm-hmm. each, each one point on the D20 is 5%. Yeah. Yeah. As we talked about in our sketch this week, yes, um, <laughs> you know it's it's still the same probabilities really, just less granular. Mm-hmm. The actual D one hundred just feels more. Scientific. I mean, to me, I can't talk about yeah, it, yeah, but yeah. To, to me, it uh, feels yeah. more scientific. Yeah, I, I mean, we're talking, of course, about games with core mechanics, which are mm-hmm. unified core mechanic. Because I have to be honest, it makes it a lot easier to run a game if it's got a unified yeah. core mechanic. Yeah. Games which don't, like second edition D anD D, I really like. The fact that you can, and like all the OSR hacks, you can basically say, whatever challenge I'm coming up against, I can create my own little set of dice challenges to roll to make it work. Like if I'm lifting up a portcullis, it's like D100, roll under double strength, what have you. Mm. And for me, that models it. But where I don't enjoy it is, of course, having to learn all the rules and all the exceptions. Learning Um, rules is terrible. So I think this kind of, I think you could kind of divide dice mechanics into sort of four kind of categories. Oh, so you got, so you got okay. your D and D style roll D twenty and add a bonus. Might not be a D twenty, but roll a dice and add a bonus. Sure. Yeah. Or roll some dice and add a bonus. Roll two D six bonus. Whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's it, and, and try to hit a target number. So that's yeah. Kind of probably the most common one. Maybe yeah. I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, yeah. But um, then you got the percentile dice system, which is often roll under. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, you've got 63% chance of doing it. Roll yeah, yeah. D100, roll 63 or less. So you've got those. Um, yeah. Call of Cthulhu, for example, RuneQuest, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the faster yeah. games I was just talking about. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Dice Pools. Yes. So um, you mentioned Vampire Chess, Shadow yeah. Run, Big Dice Pools, mm-hmm. what sort of yeah. new is Dice Pools, uh, Awfully Cheerful Engine is Dice Pools. You've got uh, Star Wars West End Games with Dice Pools. Mm-hmm. Ghostbusters yeah. with Dice uh, Pools. So. Free, free League as well, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. there's Dice Pools. 
And then you've got the ones, more complicated ones, and I haven't really played any of these, where you've got different sized dice for different yeah. abilities. And I think yeah. Savage Worlds does that, doesn't it? And yeah, that's right. do that, yeah. that, which I've never really, really delved into myself, so I can't really talk about how that feels. Mm-hmm. Oh, I should run that for you sometime. It's quite fun. Um, yeah. Pretty easy to play. But I think they're kind of the four broad categories of dice systems. Yeah. Uh, and you've got the Modifius homebrew system. I don't know if this falls under... Where you've got a target number and you want to roll under, mm. and it's better if you roll the number of your skill. Right, yeah. So if you've got to roll a 50, you roll a 15 or under, but if you roll a 15, you get an extra shiny. You get the meta currency, yeah. 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 Meta currency is another thing entirely, but yeah. Or what do we think of meta currencies? Love it. Some people hate them, some people yeah. love them. Also, fair. yeah. I'm, well, I'm ambivalent. I yeah, mean, I don't have I a strong opinion. Oh, I don't have a strong opinion on them at all, but they're fine. I, 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 when I see some of the vitriol directed at some meta currencies, I don't get it. Oh, I was like, no. okay. <laughs> yeah, I suppose I guess different people like different things, but mm. I just don't have a strong feeling on them whatsoever. I mean, I like meta currency because I mm. cannot roll dice. Mm. Like, not even a little bit. My dice rolls are terrible, yeah. unless I am gyming, in which case my dice simply plays in the water and go for it. What a meta currency is, of course. Yes, to anyone who's listening, because I'm sure everybody who's listening knows exactly what we're talking about. But yeah. just in case there's someone who doesn't, so meta currency might be something like fate or momentum, yeah. or it might be some kind of thing that you can spend to give yourself bonuses or rerolls or something like inspiration situation in D&D. or inspiration in D and D is a meta yeah. currency. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or Benny's in Savage Worlds, that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's that's what a meta currency is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, but we're not just talking dice systems, though. No, no, of course. Um, um, there are lots of other types of systems. I mean, what other systems have you guys played that are non-dice based? Well, I, I think the classic example is Dread for the Jenga Tower. Dread for the Jenga Tower, everybody yeah. Everybody loves that. And that obviously has a different vibe to rolling a dice because it creates that mm. that tension, that, anticipa- that anticipation, and it, that it game, gets more stressful as you go through because the anxiety of the Jenga Tower. That game is the poster child for... Mm-hmm. When, for illustrating how different resolution mechanics affect the feel of a game. And I think going straight to Dread with the example there is the way to go because mm. that is the really, really strong example which really illustrates it really obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um, another one I can think of is I played a Marvel, uh, which was card games. So you had a deck yeah. of cards and you cycled through and they had numbers on. So, you know, mm. cards and numbers is almost a bit yeah. like dice in a way, but... Yeah. yeah, but you know, it was, but that was different. And yeah. I really enjoyed that. Mm. It felt like, and I probably didn't mathematically, but it felt like I was more in control of my, mm. you know, checks for skill checks, combat, what I was doing. Yeah. Mathematically, I probably wasn't. It probably didn't make a difference. But as a player, it felt that way to me. And I think it's important to think about how mechanics feel to players opposed to what just yeah. they, oh. they actually do. Because that's yeah. such a huge part of setting a tone in a mm. game. Uh, I really enjoyed well, that, um, that model. Yeah. Game we did with yeah. the cards. We're talking of card cards. Mm-hmm. One of the big famous ones, and I've never actually played it, is mm. Deadlands. Yeah, which obviously used a card deck, poker hands, and things like that. Mm. For I, I, yeah. have you played it? I've not played your OG Deadlands because right. Okay, no so I don't actually know how the mechanics work. I do know that they use a regular deck of cards yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. I, I mean, you're right. Like, mechanic. I, uh, you'll have to excuse it if I excuse me if I'm like a bit hazy on the details because this isn't my culture, but like. Um, so there's a chap called Wild Bill Hickok, who was a cowboy, got shot. And yeah. the poker hand he had, which had a couple of cards in, I can't remember what they were because it was a random hand, is called the Dead Man's Hand. Mm. And 
my understanding is that was super significant in Deadlands, the original like sort of card based game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but nowadays, with sort of Savage Worlds being a descendant of this, uh, you use the uh, the cards for initiative, and you get a new initiative each round. If Joker's come up, then something exciting happens, and the person who draws the Joker gets something cool happen. Um, mm. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, yeah. And a, a, a game that I personally have had experience and very enjo- very much enjoyed was uh, Everway. Mm. Uh, have you played that one, Russ? No. No? Okay. Yeah, that's... Um, help me out. His name's Jonathan Tweet. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. He, he designed that for... Ooh, was it TSR? Was it the ghost? A long time ago. Uh, but I played that and was in a campaign of it. And mm. what that is essentially is almost like you have a tarot deck. Mm. And when you're trying to resolve something... You draw a card, mm. and from that, you it basically foretells what's happening, mm. which in some ways is echoed in the Forge in the Dark series of games. Mm-hmm. As in, um, Forge in the Dark, most of which, of course, is Blades in the Dark, you mm. roll a bunch of dice, and that tells you how far your heist goes before it goes wrong. Yeah. Mm. And it's sort of a similar vibe, to for me, to Everway, where you draw a tarot card, and then that yeah. sort of like gives you a story about how things go. So most yeah. games, we do a level of granularity where every single dice roll matters, but with those style of games, mm. that single draw or roll gives you a whole more big pile of narrative to work through yeah. without having without having it be upset. So that, I feel that really is a sign of a storytelling game, in my opinion. Yeah. So I've got a article here on Nerdist, Geek and Sundry, mm-hmm. um, which talks has five RPGs that don't use dice. So I just thought I'd quickly glance at those and see what they were. Number see one. If, any, if I played any of them. Probably haven't. But, Amber. Well, Abba. No, Amber. Oh, Amber, Amber yes. Was Amber. Amber, the role playing game. game. Amber, Diceless <laughs> RPG. I, <laughs> I would absolutely... But dresses up by yeah. Abba, the role playing game. And I think yeah. you have to succeed by singing a song from Abba or something like that. Like, the mechanic is performance. <laughs> like, literally right. performing. So it's basically a karaoke role playing yes. game. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Okay, we'll have a developers <laughs> meeting about it next week. Wow, yeah, that would require a lot of alcohol to get me to participate. Well, <laughs> Coming new to yeah. 2023. And yeah, we, could, we could see sets. if Eurovision want to sponsor it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, Jess, sure. This is, I'm I, excited I, I mean, by this. A, a KRPG, yes, a Korean pop idol band, and you do this with karaoke songs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm... I mean, if this is this might be a game that isn't on itch. So you know. Oh, I bet it, it is. I bet we Google it and someone's done it. I don't. I don't like you. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> is it because you're intimidated by our creativity and whimsy? No, I think it is. Not. Don't be uh, a hater. Just, Get on board. Russ no. just, just hates everybody. So yeah, I don't take it personally. I don't hate everybody. He likes his dog. I don't like my dog. But sometimes I hate my dog. So yeah, that's I true. Yeah. Technically, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the moment. But anyway, yeah. I was going to go through this list of um, dice. Oh. Well, I have a, f- so we I have a few I've played that I can to... come up with straight away. Sweet. Oh, go on, like uh, Ribbon Drive is a game, yeah. which drive. is actually Ribbon Drive. Uh, so it's Can a game all? you play listening to a playlist, like a, a, a music oh, yeah. uh, that someone yeah. puts together. And mm. you. it's very freeform. And there's, I might be saying the setting wrong, but this is how I played it. 
you mm. are four friends on a journey in a car. So you sit around tables yeah, if you'll be in a car. Sort of or, or you can sit by two by two. Um, and you're going on a journey. And the music mm. will define it. So first you play one of the songs and then you sit and listen to it. And then you say, okay, so w- based on this song, being inspired by it, what journey are we going on? And it could be something like, we're a group of four mm. friends on a way to another friend's wedding. Or it could mm. be literally anything you like or it could be like we're a bunch of college students and where we finished college and this is our like end of year road trip last hurrah Mm -hmm. anything you want they just you listen to the song and do it by that and the next song you think about your character yeah and it's and it's done by that and then the playlist plays as you sit and play the game and you're meant to Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like a playlist playing in a car but you're meant to allow the um the soundtrack to kind of inform the tone of the game and and the feel of it and what conversations you have and it's very free form really good fun um but i know we're joking about the abba singing song but this is all about kind of music and, and listening to it and it's a big part of of mm. the game so that's very like free form so this is really getting away from dice mechanics yeah but this that game always because you're listening to music always feels far more introspective and it's about interpersonal dynamics because you're four people sat together in a close quarters having conversations mm-hmm. Yeah, and it can bring out lots of things like the the college one, for example. Maybe you're talking to your friends and you're reminiscing about your old stories, and you're de- you're thinking about the themes of you're you're moving apart and you're going away and your lives are changing. So it's exploring that. But then someone else's mm. game could be something completely different. Like you know, I've had someone had one where they're going to a friend's funeral, and so a lot of mm. them are talking about their friendship group in the absence of that. So you can pick whatever topic you want um, to talk about, and it's it's really interesting. So it's a very a very free system, I'd say. Yeah. Oh, mm. microscope. That's a good one. Oh, yeah. I don't know that one. Tell me about it. Oh, that's uh, the world create. That's sort of like the setting creation game, mm-hmm. um, which has like you, you play it and you create a bunch of cards, and there's like lots of different events and periods and significant things that happen in history, and you sort of go around and then you create a setting. I've always wanted to sort of like play a game with microscope mm-hmm. to do sort of setting creation and then allow yeah. people to create stuff within it yeah, so that's cool. but mm. it's, it's a lot of organization you need to have people vaguely interested so yeah, yeah. it's tricky yeah. um another game that doesn't use dice i know of a lot of solo journaling games i've realized use tarot cards so mm. it's your prompts which i think is really interesting because it's a visually interesting picture and you know lots of different people can look at the same picture and take different things mm. from it so i think that's really interesting mm. to have it as a prompt for you doing something as well yeah yeah, yeah. oh alice is missing Mm-hmm. That's the text message phone game. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's cool. Of course, you've run one, Jess. What? You've, you've run a diceless game. Ten Candles does have dice. Does it? It has oh, a dice pool. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh, well, fair enough. Yeah. Ha. But it also yeah. does that use candles funny. as well. And that the yeah. can, candles are part of a mechanic of the game. And that does very mm. much create a tone and a theme. Yeah. Um, mm. But yeah, it's also got a D6 dice pool in it. So something for everybody. Oh. Even yeah. for us. Sorry, Russ. I you think that's what Mike said. Well, no, I was, has anyone actually played the Amber Dices role-playing? Because you mentioned it earlier. I've never played it. Nope. Mm-hmm. So I don't actually know how it works. I've heard of it, but I don't know anything about it. Uh, like, my understanding is, I'm afraid, second-hand, but essentially right. you have... Um, you bid on powers uh, because you're all gods, as I understand it. I really... It does sound like an interesting setting. I've just never read Rogers the Lasney's books, so mm. uh, that fault is mine. But you're all essentially... Again, to my limited understanding, a bunch of gods, and so you bid for various sort of like powers, like the who's going to be the strongest, and then everyone puts in like a and everyone puts in a number that they have, and whoever has the highest number mm. gets that power, and you go around bidding on various things. So, yeah. um, 
but but only one person can get it and you have spent all your points. So there's a lot right. that seems to be quite an important part of the character creation. Okay. And then you sort of go and role play from there. Has your gods everything automatically succeeds know. if you're good at doing it? I do remember hearing about Game, I can't remember what it was, but the resolution mechanic was um, rock, paper, scissors. Vampire the Masquerade LARP. <laughs> is that? Is that what well, in la- yeah, oh, yeah, some, oh, right, yeah okay. and some LARPs they do that. But LARPs have, oh, right, okay. LARPs is a, uh, a whole other thing anyway. But yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's why, that's why I know the rock, paper, scissors mechanic from. Yeah, yeah. Right, okay. I think you have yeah. rock, paper, scissors, Cthulhu, Spock, Boat, um, <laughs> which is rock, paper, scissors, but added extra complications. Because, of course. Sounds like something out of the Big Bang Theory. They do do yeah, rock, probably. paper, lizard, Spock. Yeah. Right. But I think that was sort of something they picked up from culture that already existed. Yes. And they stole it to Maybe. use it for the thing. Yes. How does that work? Rock, paper, scissors, lizard, Spock. How does it work? Um, I think no, I uh, in the Big Bang, there's a whole monologue <laughs> where he explains it in detail. So if right. you watch that episode, you can get it explained to you. All right. I'll but, investigate how rock, uh, paper, scissors, lizard, Spock works. I, I find the Big Bang Theory far too cringy. It like, says that geeks can't talk to people. I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure I'm a geek. I'm entirely sure I can and do talk you to people. You are very good so, at talking, yeah. Peter. No one can ever deny that. Talking to people. Sometimes I'm even... Well, I'm not so sure about that, but you are very good at talking. Yes. No, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> what <can> <laughs> What's the difference? Um, I mean, uh, I, know, uh, I know what you mean about... say, all this anti-monologue stuff is discriminating me personally. <laughs> your your me ability to move your lips while sound emanates from your voice box cannot be disputed. Perfect <laughs> for a podcast. Yes. Yeah. yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah I, d- I don't know. So do you know one thing we've been talking about? So we're talking about different like systems. Like you said, you've got the four different ones there. You've got things that don't use dice at all. One mm. question I always... You don't see a lot of D12s. And that's my favourite mm. dice. I like a D12. It's just got the right heft to it for me. I like mm. a D12. Oh, I, just, I like the yeah, feel of a D12. Yeah, D12, nice dice, pretty dice. It's kind but of a little bit conky. It doesn't get used very much. I don't like. I oh, no. I don't see D twelve dice system. Uh, dice system. We need to write the D twelve dice system. When you say yeah. we, I mean you, Jess, <laughs> you need to write the D twelve dice system. One person here who specifically says they're not a game designer. Yes, yeah. fresh perspectives. That's what I okay, say. Okay, well we'll yeah. use it in the ABBA game. So uh, you have a list right. of twelve ABBA songs. <laughs> you roll the dice. Whichever one it lands on, you must perform. <laughs> Okay. This is why I'm not a game designer. See things like this, yeah. but no. But in seriousness, <laughs> I, I think that's a perfectly valid way to design a game. To be honest, like the one shot. I mean, I, I I'm not going to do that. I won't lie. Um, so what happens? Do you get like X Factor style judges give you scores on your performance, and that's the equivalent of a dice roll? I don't think I would want people to be judged because I'd want it to feel like a safe mm. space, and I don't know how I'd achieve that. But right, putting okay. this Abba idea aside, even though you're getting into it now, Russ, so, you know. I'm not. Uh, okay, totally you're not. asking more questions, so <laughs> I'm just saying. But is there... RPG, coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> is there a reason why D12s aren't used as much in games? Is that like a mechanical reason? Does it like... Oh. I'm looking to you as game designers for like... I don't think so. D8s I... aren't used all that much either. Correct, yeah. yeah. Well, They're used well, for damage dice for long swords, basically, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much it. That... It's like so. So basically, if you just assume that game designers are lazy, then a lot of things start to be explained. Right. And you know what? My eight times table, which is what I would need to do to correctly assign things to a D twelve system, mm-hmm. is not great. 
my, was it 12 and a half <laughs> times table is also not great, which is what I would need for a uh, 2d8 system. I suppose, yeah, 20 is a nice round number, 10 is a nice round number. They're really yeah. easy to work with. And, and 6 mis- is just really common. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's what it is. 6 yeah. is really common. And D4, of course, is all quarters. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, that's mm. where Caltrop Coal has found its niche. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Plus, of course, everyone likes Caltrops. So I think we solved that question then. Thank yeah. you for your answer. Tw- 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 20 and 10s are easy to use. 6s are common. The other ones don't get used so much. No. There you go. Fair. Because we've got line around. There, there we go. Yeah. 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 So what's your favourite dice? Mine's D12. Oh, which, which one of your children is the favourite? That's, uh, that's always a I do like a D4 uh, just for its battle mechanics. Just you drop it on the floor and, you know. Yes, okay. Mm. The cow drop effect. Yes. As we, as we like to call it. As yeah. the system, yeah. Oh, it's, it's tricky. Like, the D20 rolls very well, but the D6 is the superior choice of stacking material. Hmm. Um, uh, and so and like... I'm running multiple dice, I like the D6s, but a single mm. dice, I like it to be a D12. Yeah, it's like, I, I, I enjoy the D10s, but they're not like a, was it a perfect, a perfect solid sort of thing? Like, they're not, they're, they're, they're not as aesthetically pleasing, a D10. No. Yeah, I agree, they're not, not. I'm not trying to body shame any dice or anything, no, no. I'm not about that, but I just, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no, I agree entirely. A D8 yeah. is a very nice looking dice as well. God, this is, yeah. this has got weird. Is this weird? <laughs> the window. <laughs> yeah. What you digging through the dice walls? We're talking to what us. About, what about dice systems like the Fantasy Flight Games, um, Star Wars, and Warhammer one, which has all the little symbols on them mm. that I could never understand oh, and dice. never understood what I was doing. I. Yeah, yeah. They were too complicated for me. I couldn't work them that out. Sorry, that sorry, that sigh I just made. I don't know if I might picked it up, but that is my, yeah. my opinion. I just <laughs> like. I feel like when you have unique symbols. Symbols oh. are really great if you understand what they mean, but it means in order to play a game, yeah. you have to learn a different language. Yes. Mm. And it's just, I just, I, I'm tired and I'm lazy. Please don't mm. make me mm. learn new things. Yeah. Well, but you go, play you've got a success of failure and a disadvantage with a boon. And I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know what that means. Well, yeah. it, it's like, but, but that's because you can't, like, you're, you're sort of vaguely disempowered because you don't know what it is you're looking at and you have to get yeah. received. And I know yes. it's not complicated and i could yeah it's just that for some reason that doesn't work with the way my brain works yeah yeah. so the the barrier to me learning it while i obviously i could i don't i don't just naturally pick it up yeah like if you if you rolled a number if you rolled 2d6 and it turned out that you had a partial success Mm. then you'd have to interpret that yeah and and i personally i always find that quite unpleasant having to do Mm. that it's like i don't know like, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'll do this. And sometimes I'm like, no, no. Yeah. Don't wish to rob players of any success. Yeah. Like, it comes out of that bias to failure. Yeah. Mm. Well, have we covered this topic? I think we've talked about, yeah, different dice systems, the vibes yeah. they give, different yeah. different things that aren't yeah. dice. I'm not sure we came to any type of conclusion or anything. Well, there is but... no conclusion, because these, <laughs> these are all just opinions, aren't yeah. they? Because yeah. everyone, everyone has a different favorite dies yeah. everyone has a different favorite system yeah. but that's why there's so many different things in the ttrbg space and why they should continue to be so monopolies are bad and why abba the rpg is coming soon maybe it written exists by, written by jessica hancock of Eaton publishing oh my god no. i think there is one hang on you think it exists yeah, yeah. Googling no, it. someone's no, beaten us exists. to the punch oh by miles for us please abba rpg 
Uh, I, I think it's been like a really it's interesting... It's probably a one-page... It's probably a one-page RPG. One yes, there is. It's called Mamma Mia 4, Cease and Desist. <laughs> <laughs> um... I am. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to do. I don't need to do this work. It, it already exists. It is on itch because, of course, any quirky yeah, yeah, itch yeah. thing is. Uh, yeah. I'm going to label this rule forty three. If you can think of an RPG, it exists on itch. Let me just Most see. Probably, yeah. uh, it uses a d10 and a d6 from what I can see as well. Mm. But yeah. do you have to do karaoke? I think the karaoke mechanic might be another one. We haven't worked out how the karaoke mechanic works yet. Well, it's basically... I've, I'm actually ah! quite in favour oh, of it looks... because it's how it makes you feel. So one oh, one player okay. <laughs> is Sophie and all the no. other players are dads, like potential fathers, so the Mamma Mia thing. So so you roll um, a D20, a D10 on the dad table to figure out yeah. your characteristic and occupation to see what kind of Mamma Mia dad you are. Right. And then each dad will roll a D6 to determine the ABBA song they will perform. So yes. I see. This is so. It does have karaoke in it. This is great. Each dad player googles the lyrics of their ABBA song. Dads to look for connections between their song lyrics and their dad's sonar. Uh, yeah. They should connect. And we will be oh my selling tickets. We will be selling tickets soon for Jess's live running of this game in front of a studio audience at UK Games Expo. This we time. have not. I, yeah, I would. We haven't booked in for that, but I would do that. Absolutely, run this game live. <laughs> this looks amazing. Uh, I, I know no other songs, nor can I sing. I think I need so to. I'm, of course, one hundred percent up for it. Let's go. I think I need to invite this person on. I'm sure you do know some other songs. I, uh, they're, kind of, they're kind of songs that you can't really avoid knowing. No, you'll hear them and you'll go, "Oh yeah, I know that one." Like I, I could probably have a bash at the chorus. But I understand that songs have more than the chorus. Well, well, all right, right. You if, if you don't know that, I, I don't think there's any the songs that I know from beginning to end. Apart you don't know any maybe. songs from beginning to end. Happy birthday, jingle bells, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, there's that's two, probably about it. immediately. Yeah, and they're really short. Nothing wrong with being short, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> in fact, it's better for the environment. Um, yeah. We should probably take a cutting from the short. I think we should probably cut this yeah, podcast cut this, short. Cut this yeah. podcast short because it's going way too long. All right, I'm getting out of here. Later. See you later. Bye. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. If you, like, allows you to do, like, more flavour. But I think uh, they they seem to be... Monty? No, sorry. My cat is busy trying to pull a glass coaster off the table, which would not be good. That's a very cat thing to do, though, isn't it? 100% absolute feline terrorism. What can Mm. I say? Curse you.